Welcome into another edition of the Q&A questions and alcohol. And as we like to say, we have the questions, they have the alcohol. And joining us this week with that is Tim Lusher, co-owner of Sig Lusher, and Dylan Greenwood, brewmaster there as well. Guys, welcome in. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. I'm just happy I, I think I finally figured out how to say Lusher because I screwed that up <laughs> for so many years. <laughs> uh, we've heard it so many ways. And it's, I tell people, as long as you drink the beer, I don't care. But my uh, favorite pronunciation, because I said living with the name, you get Lusher a lot, Lusher another half the time. And then the first first and only, we were doing a festival uh, in Jackson, Kentucky. Great festival, great people. We had had a couple of regulars throughout the day and another couple was looking at the, looking at the kegs he goes, so how do you pronounce it? Lusher or Lusher? The couple in front of him goes, no, dear. It's Lusher. They're French. <laughs> <laughs> they bought You're fancy. We're fancy. We're now fancy beer. <laughs> Historically good and now fancy, too. So yeah. it, it, it all works out. So now, you know, we, we talked to you a while back on, on one of our other, other shows we do, but this one's definitely a little more Kentucky-focused. And you know, for those that may not know about either either one of you, um, they may know the beer bit, they may not know the people behind it. You want, want to tell us a little bit about yourselves? One of you go first. Sure. Uh, well, I've been a brewer um, in Kentucky minus one year for about 12, going on 13 years now. Um, started my career at Bluegrass Brewing Company, the original location. Uh, moved to uh, Bluegrass Brewing Company Distribution, which is now Goodwood. Um, then I did one year in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, uh, brewing for Foothills Brewing Company down there. Then I came back and I was the uh, brewmaster at Falls City Beer in Louisville, Kentucky for three years. And uh, then Tim and I found each other and started this place. It's been going on going on four years now, about three and a half. It's uh, back to the past four. About past four. Well, <laughs> see, time flies. Yeah, so um, yeah, my background is actually not in brewing. Uh, I am from Frankfurt, obviously. The family's been here for a very long time. Um, I moved away for a while, and during those travels, I drank a lot of beer. Um, and over those times, I also kind of figured out exactly what I liked in beer. There were opportunity while I was living, uh, not in the state at the time, when Dylan and I met, to reopen our family brewing, and um, we took it. Uh, things moved really quickly as soon as we made the decision. To open the brewery frankfurt embraced us it's been it's been a fun ride uh not anything light and day different what i expected um as anybody will tell you that uh, you might might want to rethink opening a brewery but once you're in you can't can't do anything else well and it's working out great for for y'all and dylan if, I, if i'm remembering correctly were you a teacher during that one year break or was that before you got into brewing? Because I, I do remember. Some... Yeah, that was okay. my previous life. Yeah, <laughs> I did uh, I did elementary school teaching, taught second and third grade classroom teacher for about eight years. And did you have the beard and everything then too? Uh, no, I'm more rock to goatee at that point. And near the end, uh, the beard started coming out. Um, at one point I was um, teaching full-time and brewing part-time and it was just too much and um, yeah, the, the beard really came out then. <laughs> well, and it seems like you made a, a great career choice there as you guys are, are brewing some, some good, good brews over there. And, 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 and for, for those that don't know, when, when it's called Sig Lusher, that is Tim's relative, right? That's your great, I, how many greats are we talking about here? Right? So it's my great, great, great grandfather. As I tell people, when a Sig, Sigmund from Switzerland, if anybody's interested, it's Sig, August, 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 Tim. <laughs> Guess whose father hates the name August? 
<laughs> I mean, did you bring back uh, August or, or is that one uh, for the history books, uh, at least for a little while? No, my, is my, my daughter uh, was this close to being uh, being named in August, but she got Mary Grace instead. Uh, there, there you go. Now, now, speaking of SIG, I mean, you know, I know you guys love to share some stories, so I figure maybe we can start off with a story of SIG and then finish it at the end as well. So what's a, a good story? Because, I mean, he, SIG came over really early on and, and you know, I'm sure there are some really fun things you get to share. Yeah, um, that's one of the best things about having a historic brewery is you do have these stories to share. It's not, it's as much about the um, the history of the place as it is about the beer. Luckily, we've got both and have great beer thanks to that man. Um, but so with that, you know, Sig Sig came over originally in 1855, settled in Memphis. Things didn't go so well in 1855 nationally. Uh, we went back to the uh back to switzerland and came back so uh as i tell people we're standing now in our third brewery the first one was in memphis it was burned down the second one was across the street about 100 feet from where we're sitting now uh, and it was torn down in 2003 and then we've been here since 2018 but you know the point being is we've been around for a long time south frankfurt grow changed not changed so much uh it's much more of a wild west back then um i think of that time what you hear about whether it being bourbon barons beer barons railroad barons there's always um a creativity in uh, their marketing strategies if you didn't have social media you didn't have what, what we're doing now um so you had to make much more of an impact and you know kind of i tell the story of um some contemporaries of sig mr heineken being one and they'll tell you the same story on their tour that uh, when he wanted to sell beer, he'd go into a brewer, or go into a bar that didn't have his beer, but he wouldn't go in. He'd hire an actor, and the actor would order a Heineken. And the bartender would say, "No, we don't serve Heineken." But you don't serve Heineken. Huge scene. Next day, Heineken's on tap. E.H. Taylor did something similar. He would go to a bar that he wanted to be in. He would take empty cases of his bourbon and throw them in the trash across the street at the other bar. And walk in. Hey, you want to pick up my bourbon? Your your buddy across the street's killing it. Look outside. Um, Sig has a similar story. We like we jokingly call it one of the first drunk texting. Um, it came about doing research the newspapers, and there's a period of time, uh, late 1870s, where we were getting references of Sig and his beer nationwide. So we've got references in New York, D.C., Dallas, Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, West Virginia, the ones I can think off the top of my head, and we couldn't figure why. Because uh, this is late 1870s, beer doesn't travel that well, uh, but everyone seemed to know about uh, Mr. Lusher and his famous lager. Then we found an article, not very big, um, in about a week or two before the, these occurrences, and the Associated Press at the time was invited to the legislature for whatever was going on, and written in the paper was then Mr. Lusher, gracious, uh, the local brewmaster, graciously invited us down to the brewery. There were 30 of us at which we drank 50 beers each in 30 minutes. You do the math. <laughs> he got him a little shit-faced. But as he's doing that, uh, as, as people that have a little bit of too much drink are complimenting the brewery, brewers, many people around here, telling him how great his beer was, he said, well, that's a telegram over there. You telegraph, go tell your people. And so it's the only way we can figure out how the mention of our beer is so many places around the U.S. at that one period of time. Uh, that, that is a, a, a great story and, and a, a very smart man at, at that to, to come up with some pretty good uh, 
of marketing, uh, kind of what you old school. I mean, you can't pay for that kind of uh, marketing. You can't do it again now. So <laughs> you could try, but it wouldn't be exactly like that for, for, for sure. I honestly think we probably could now with the social media. Just walk around, hey, put that on Facebook. Hey, put that on <laughs> and, and, you know, Dylan, you know, for, for you being there, I, I know one of the draws was kind of that love of throwback brewing. And that's kind of what you know, you guys are, are known for what, what, what is it about those historical styles that you just love to, to brew and, and be able to share with folks? Um, well, the big thing about historical brews is that they've been proven, you know, to be good beer. Um, if you're doing something innovative, you know, it might, it might stick to the wall. It might be a fad, but um, you know, these old styles have stuck around for hundreds of years for a reason. Uh, because they're they are good beer and they taste great and it's and it's fun to um, see what people did in the past and how people are interpreting them now and kind of try to find a way to make a beer that I think people will enjoy out of that you know the research and also knowing the science of brewing it's it's kind of a cool amalgam of all the parts of brewing you know you add that extra piece of history in there and it's just another layer and then it's also really fun to see people that are beer lovers, but they're more new school beer lovers. And so I'm not saying they haven't had a beer, but they've had very different types of styles of beer and have them come in and be just, well, I don't like beer or I don't like this type of beer. And then finally taste it. That's what I consider a really true to style beer. Go, oh, I like that. Oh, oh I that tastes like beer. <laughs> and, you know, we laugh, uh, it tastes like beer is probably the best compliment we get because that's what we're really shooting for. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, you know, when you think of that too, especially when you're going on historical styles, I mean, now, nowadays you have a whole lot more equipment, a little, little more ability to kind of hone in on what you're looking for. How, how much do those recipes differ than, than say in the past? Or is it just basically just new, new equipment and, and kind of the same old recipes? Yeah, I think basically just the equipment's changed. You know, um, there was probably a, a lot more infected beers and, you know, flat beers and warmer beers back in the day. But as far as the recipe and the heart of the beer, I think it's remained the same. And I wanted to say to Tim's point about, you know, um, how, um, you know, these styles exist for a reason and that people seem to enjoy them. Our flagship Pilsner is a really good um you know, example of that, because we'll get somebody who's like, oh, I only drink Miller Lite. Well, try the Pilsner. And then we get somebody, oh, I, I, you know, I'm a big beer, craft beer guy, and I usually stick with juicy IPAs or hazy IPAs. We'll try the Pilsner. And it's, we rarely get anybody who does not like the Pilsner. So, and that's not all on me. That's because, you know, I'm on the back of, you know, a hundred plus years of other brewers developing that style. Yeah. And, and like I said earlier, historically good. And it's one of, one of my, my favorites that I enjoy picking up from, from the store, especially local uh, brews um, as well. And, you know, when, when you're still doing those historical styles, I know you guys like to still kind of, I don't want to say make it new or traditional, kind of what we see today, but you guys do add a little bit of flair to it. I know some strawberries that come from, from the Lusher family will, will find their way into some, some brews as well. So what, what do you guys have maybe in store that you can tell us for the spring and summer as far as some of these or just some of those styles that you're able to kind of bring a little bit of flair to and in, in, uh, even though they're historic? Well, yeah, well, and just um, just talk about that a little bit before I get into the specifics. I, I like to kind of bring the old school and the new and 
put them together because that's what Sig was. He was, you know, a European brewer who came to America and we are a, um, a new brewery that is an old brewery. So we kind of like to mix old and new a little bit, but still, you know, the traditional is going to stay or the uh, Pilsner and stuff like that and traditional uh, styles are going to stay pretty traditional. But that being said, we do um, every summer when um, um, local fruit pawpaws are um, ripe, we do a pawpaw sour, which, you know, they did do sours in, in Germany in the 1800s, but it was pretty few and far between. <laughs> um so but that's a fun one to do because we bring in that local fruit that a lot of people don't really even know exists um but it's really fun to play with and uh people seem to love that beer um and it's actually and the people that don't know pawpaws they are delicious they're like a banana they're terrible to clean yeah. and so i big shout out to our friends at k-state university who has a pawpaw program and they bring us pureed pawpaws because it makes a world of difference in making a pop-up beer. Makes my life a lot easier. <laughs> Plumbing thanks you too. All right. <laughs> and any other things that you guys get to do maybe with the, the season changing and, and maybe using some of those fresh there, fruits that we find around here? There usually is a kind of a seasonal beer. And you mentioned the uh, strawberry Hefeweizen, and that was one that Dylan and I came up a couple of years ago. Um, and it really was between just a regular Hefeweizen, which was uh, amazing in itself. The strawberry hefeweizen and the deciding factor was when we were discussing it i called our fruit supplier for a price and they all get back with you and at seven o'clock the next morning i get a phone call your your 800 pounds of strawberries are here <laughs> <laughs> so the story it sounds great that the reason we do it and it's true the reason we thought of it was that my family's been growing strawberries since about 1871 uh, the real reason we made it is we had 100 800 pounds of strawberries <laughs> luckily when we did the tastings the regular hefeweizen we sold out of it in about two hours which is kind of normal for a keg um the strawberry hefeweizen we sold out in 17 minutes so we declared it the winner <laughs> um that's a, our summertime beer. Dylan does a lot of one-offs through the year as well. Uh, we've done a watermelon Kolsch. Mm -hmm. uh, we did a Berliner Weiss a couple of years ago uh, for Derby. Uh, that was, it was not, the beer itself wasn't flavored, but we served it more traditionally. So we had uh, three different syrups to go along with it so people could try to see how you know, different additives um, kind of change the beer flavor. Um, so that's one thing about you know, being a brew scale and also have you know, smaller systems that we can use, which is behind us. That's our R&D and our barrel system that Dylan's brewing the Kentucky Common on right now. So it lets us really play around with it. You know, um, some other uh, beers we were considering actually canning. Uh, Dylan's come up with an amazing Imperial Pilsner. Uh, done the Kentucky Common, the 66. And uh, believe it or not, he does a Sig Light that we're just looking for room on a tap or on the kegerator for because uh, you... Quite awesome. You just drink it all day long. It's so crisp and clean. And for a while, we had a, a dedicated cider line, which we've kind of gotten away from during the winter, but we'll probably bring back we'll be back on the summer. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and, and like I said, when, you, when you're naming those styles, those are those traditional styles that I, I think when people actually get to try them, they really enjoy. I love a Kolsch. Berliners are, are great as well. Um, and you mentioned, of course, the, the Pilsner there. One that you also said was the Kentucky Common. And I know you've got a, a fun thing coming up at the end of April. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, actually, this is something I'm going to give thanks to the governor's office for really taking the lead on this. It was an idea, um, I guess, collectively, one, the Kentucky Common being uh, one of only, I believe, three indigenous U.S. beers. We're lucky to have it. Um, 
but then also you know give it the recognition it deserves and you know talk about the guys over at mobile ale trail who uh, do a lot of work pushing uh proclamation through uh from our end you know so with the thanks to the governor's office we're putting on a hopefully the first annual uh pre-derby kickoff in frankfurt and that's where their interest lies but also in, in conjunction with common fest and you know the idea behind it was to highlight the kentucky Common. not a lot of people have, have tried it we think a lot of people are going to love it uh but then also the uh, kentucky heritage and you know common uh common you know the common um kentucky common for common people use common ingredients we really kind of have a festival called derby which is very fancy with a music festival an arts festival we have food trucks we're looking at probably 15 to 20 breweries um and then in addition to the our bourbon friends as well uh, and that's all happens on april 30th from 12 to 5. and if you're familiar around frankfurt it's at the capitol you can't miss it it's a big building in the uh in the center town um <laughs> We're setting up tents there uh, that will be parking on site. So come down, there'll be people directing traffic, but it's free to show up all day long music. Uh, like I said, just a lot of fun. So I hope to see everybody there and you know, hope everybody gets that chance to taste all the different types of, even though Kentucky Common is a style, there's a lot of interpretations of the uh, product because it's you know a very versatile, you know, working class beer, but it's really fun to see what everybody's take on it is yeah and it's it's like he said it's a wide variety within the style kind of like an ipa can taste so different depending on how the brewer interprets it and yeah one of the reasons for that is just because so little is known about the style it it died for basically three decades well longer than that it died for about 50 years and so we're just kind of picking at scraps to try to find out stuff about the style and i i even talked to the person who wrote the guidelines for the uh, BJCP and uh, she said the only thing that she based the color on was black and white photos so she's like <laughs> so go anywhere with the color you want to because I, I didn't have much to go on there so well, I was gonna say I mean for those that may not understand what the Kentucky Common is can you kind of at least explain Dylan what folks might be enjoying so to speak kind of if there's something similar or that, that you can go hey it's this sure. but with this you know well if you're uh if you're familiar with the style of cream ale, which is like a, uh, a Boddington's or a Little King's, um, it's basically a dark version of a cream ale. Um, some brewers will also add other adjuncts in there to kind of play tribute to uh, Kentucky's whiskey history. So I add some rye in mine. So you have a percentage of barley, a percentage of corn, a percentage of rye, and then some sort of dark malt to give it some some color, whereas the cream ale is just going to be, uh, you know, straw in color. Um, and um, one of the things also is that it's very low in alcohol, usually comes in between 3.8 and 4.2%. Um, and that was, you know, so people could A, drink a lot of it. So B, the brewers could ferment it as quickly as possible and keep the, the price down so the common people could afford it. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a easy, clean drinking beer. Um, even though don't let dark, you know, turn you off if you, because some versions aren't as dark as others. And a lot of them aren't, you know, they don't taste like porters or stouts. They're a lot, you know, cleaner and crisper than that. Well, and, and, and I love that. And it's, it's it, for those that are in Kentucky or visiting, it's when you got to track is, I mean, it's literally the beer of the Commonwealth and you know, for, for you all there at Sig Lusher, you know, I know you've got a, you're what, 100 yards or 100 feet from where you're, 
your second location, so to speak, was. Can you talk a little bit about the unique structure that you're in now and how it's changed over the years and kind of grown and how, how you all have grown? Yeah, unique's correct. Um, <laughs> uh, anybody's visited, uh, when, when you come to visit SIG, you'll notice uh, the intent of the exterior is what we had what we worked with. It looks like a log cabin. And we tried to aesthetically kind of match it up with our European roots. Uh, that said, that was uh, because of necessity, not by design. When we bought the building, it was a very lonely prefab coffee shop that sat by itself in a parking lot. Uh, very lonely. Nothing else was down here. Um, the state building um, was in, was there, but there's construction around it. Um, but we needed a place to brew. And it was quite literally the closest available spot to our old brewery. We can stand outside and, go and just point. It was there and people get that connection. So we were very lucky uh, to get the location, but we then had to work around the parameters of what the building really was. And so, um, you know, we were able at that point to add onto the brewery. We're lucky to get hold of the, uh, the lots behind us. So we have a beer garden. So, you know, don't let size fool you when you come see us. The tap room itself, uh, I think, seats 11 people. <laughs> but you know, the interior space, the that covered patios, the uh, brew house, we also have, but with the beer garden itself, seats uh, over 100 um, with games and everything else you expect from a beer garden, all enclosed by a tent, which has not come down since pre COVID. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, it's a, it's a cool spot. And, and I think that just also adds to. The character and kind of maybe goes along with, with Sig's colorful history as well. Um, you know, you guys, I, I feel like have also done more events, you know, recently, especially now as things kind of get back to, to quote unquote normal, whatever that is. Um, can you talk a little bit about some of the other things besides Common Fest that you have coming up? I know, I think on yeah. tomorrow yeah, Friday when this releases, you'll have, have some music. We'll have, there, well, yeah. when this releases, we'll have one very next day. So uh, you know, if you're watching this, come, come to Sig. Uh, we have Chris Hennessy playing on um, April 15th, it's gonna be a large concert. Everybody come down in the beer garden, uh, knock on wood, we're gonna have great weather at that point. So a nice large outdoor concert. We've got seating, bring chairs if you like. Uh, that's the biggest one immediately after that. Food um, truck. Uh, there'll be food trucks. Um, I cannot tell you at this moment what we're what the food truck is, but we'll have food trucks. Oh, <laughs> bluegrass food. It's bluegrass food. <laughs> don't point to the calendar right in front of me. <laughs> Um, you know, that's a, that's probably our, that's the nearest largest, uh, obviously Common Fest is on the 30th, Derby, everyone should know when Derby is, we'll have Derby here, uh, our Derby's consist of a day-long festivity, starting in the morning, kids races, people races, if you get the theme, it's a racing day, um, Dylan will probably, by that point, we'll have Kentucky Common back out, uh, probably something seasonal, we've still got a little bit of time on that, um, you know, basically it's just kind of a day, day with the family, come down, listen to the races all day, uh, enjoy the weather, and just kind of hang out and drink beer. Um, you know, that said, you know, the, those are probably the nearest three, but every weekend we have something. Um, you know, we do take pride continually year round. We never really stop the music here, uh, even inside. So there's always Friday, Saturday night. There's, there's some musical, um, some music act playing. Uh, we always have food trucks Friday and Saturday night. So uh, don't judge the scale of the event. Every weekend there's something fun. <laughs> yeah, a, a lot of fun out there. And like I said, it's a, it's a cool spot. And, and to, before we I ask uh, for, for one last SIG story, what, what, are, what are your kind of plans for the, for the year? Obviously, I, I know you folks can find the, the, the Pilsner um, out and about on, on places. Anything else maybe coming down the line there that they can, can find or just 
um, just more good beers coming and, and good music. Well, rumor has it we're expanding. <laughs> so, um, yeah, not to get into too many details, uh, yeah, we, that, is our, that is the plans for 2022. Uh, we've been blessed since we've been opened, even during COVID, from the support we had. And that support's now grown to the point we can't match the support. So uh, we need more facilities to make beer. And that's what we're, we're working hard on getting uh, more in-house and more uh, other location look, uh, places to make beer for us, or actually for us to make beer in. Um, so, you know, with that, you know, just a larger expansion right now, we're in central Kentucky, uh, I believe 13 Kroger stores centered around Lexington. Uh, we go all the way to Shelbyville, but we're not in Louisville yet. We're not in Northern Kentucky. So, you know, with, with the expansion this year, we're hoping to launch Louisville by the end of the year, at least Louisville, if not Northern Kentucky. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we, you'll probably see a few more cans come out, I mean, different styles. We've always held tight to the Pilsner since we, um, since we opened up, because it is our flagship and people really like it, but you know, we do get requests for it. And, you know, other types, the Sig Light, that was particularly one that we want to can. The Kentucky Commons, you know, it's an obvious one. Um, we've had the 66, if you've had our Amber Lager, um, it's it's the light and dark of Sig Lusher, and we've had it as long, if not longer, than the Pilsner, and so there's a huge following for it as well. So we're hoping to get those out by the end of the year as well. That sounds it sounds like some some really cool things to to look forward to, and hopefully 22 is a, a, another good year for y'all. And and I figure we should finish it up with one last story on Sig because the man. <laughs> um, I don't I don't know. You could write a couple books on, on some of his adventures, I, I feel like. <laughs> I'll let Tim take it home while I finish my brew. Good. I appreciate it, Dylan. Yeah, I watched Dylan behind me. <laughs> Next time we do this, we're gonna have some other stories though. We do have a national we do have a bar fight in our history that made national news. But usually the one that I end, if you ever come visit us or take a tour, um, is the uh, story of the court case and Sig's ex ex expert testimony. And I'll Apologize in advance for the very terrible butchering of a German accent, but for whatever reason, we got um, in the court documents, and that's what we're, uh, we we found how we found this was the court reporter uh, wrote Sig's testimony down in phonetic English, so as he spoke. Um, and the court case involved a gentleman that um, was accused of drunk driving on a horse. Um, a lot of people first thing say, "Well, you can't do that." Yes, you can. You can get a DUI on a horse, a lawnmower. Uh, George Jones will testify that, a bicycle. Um, yeah, so be careful when you take off. Uh, but yes, horse is one. The argument always is the horse always knows the way home. And usually at that time there, well, at that time, they didn't have breathalyzers. So by morning, you were drunk. No, I wasn't. You were drunk. No, I wasn't. And that's how uh, drunk driving cases probably win. Uh, in this case, though, they took it upon themselves. They really wanted to prosecute this gentleman. And so they brought Sig in as the... Um, expert witness on whatever drunken behavior since he was a local brewery probably brewery probably saw more than most and they asked him point black you know mr lusher does was this man drunk and he pauses and says well gentlemen i cannot tell you if this man is drunk i can only tell you what i drink every day well this is the morning i have about six beers lunch shines about six beers dinner uh, six beers and before bed no more than six beers but i can't tell you if this man's drunk or not i can only tell you if any man gets drunk off beer he's a damn hog so yes uh, in his i'm not sure if today's alcohol laws really match to sig's intake 
because you know at the end of the day you can probably take away that anything less than 24 beers you're you're good to go horse or not i don't recommend that i'm not saying great advice i said <laughs> colorful advice and maybe the better better term like i said he he had some colorful adventures and man is there some history uh with him uh, like i said the historically good brew or historically good beer that is even on the can I love the history that you guys are able to share. And it's so cool because it's, it's true. It's real history that, that folks can go find. And that always isn't always the case where folks get to share stuff like that. And, and I appreciate y'all sharing that with me. Well, thank you, Jonathan. Appreciate you having us on the show. It's always been fun. Absolutely.